Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. This morning, I sent my son, Sam, an email as I was dashing off to work today. Sam's 23. He's about to get married, just out of college, and and I've just noticed that his peer group, you know, kind of young 20-somethings, college, post-college in our culture right now are really uncomfortable with gender differences. And this is including devoted, sincere followers of Christ who are, you know, post-college. And in fact, I said last week in our show, you couldn't play this podcast on on most college campuses, the faculty would go absolutely berserk. And I just want to stop and go, why? I mean, good grief. Have we strayed so far? Are we, are we so deeply affected by the spirit of the age, which is a fear to address, you know, some of these very clear distinctions in Scripture for fear of offending or seeming intolerant and, and gender differences – you know, among them, including getting into the issue of homosexuality, which we'll probably do in the next podcast after today. Um, something's going on culturally, and you can see it more strongly at the 20-something level than you can see it, you know, maybe in our generation, the uh, the blurring of gender differences. What do you think that's all about, Craig? Um, what, what I think that's all about John is at a very base level. Um, there's some part of us that though we bear the dignity and the image of God, there's this broken, this this part we call sin that is in defiance to God. And defiance to God or defiance towards God isn't just generic. It's specific. And so we defy the very things that are key and important to him. And gender identity, as we talked about last week, is one of them. It's really important, male and female. It's not a tertiary issue. It's not a, an issue we can have differences of opinion on and still be in the circle of grace, like perhaps communion and so on and so forth. And, and so in our defiance of God, there's this part of us that just wants to blur who God is, what he's done, how he's done it, what his intentions are, blur his heart. And so I, I think at the core, we live in a culture that is just so anti-God. We're just checking off the things that are important to him and blurring them, demolishing them, giving some other counter perspective or view or diminishing them. And gang, if, if that sounds like a really strong statement, just take Jesus Christ. I mean, we're in a culture now that says, yeah, Jesus and Buddha or Hinduism or Islam or nothing. You know, sort of there are many views of God and, and they are all equal. Um, that would be a more graphic example of, well, not according to Christianity, they're not. Uh, now, again, none of this is mean-spirited. None of this is angry or hateful. But here's kind of the ironic thing. I was, I was thinking today on the way over here, um, I was thinking, you know what? Jesus Christ actually would have been um, 
probably arrested and convicted for hate crimes. Oh, yes. Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Most loving man ever walked the face of the earth. Jesus Christ would have been arrested and tried for hate crimes in our culture because he says these things, right? I'm thinking of the woman caught in adultery, and you have this phenomenal scene of grace and mercy, you know, where he rescues this woman from a horrible death. You know, the town square is empty, and just Jesus and, and the woman are standing there, and he says to her, did none of them condemn you? And she says, none, Lord. And he says, then neither do I. And you would think, what a beautiful ending to that story. That is so incredible. But the story doesn't end there. The next sentence, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. In other words, he calls her act sin. It's not like Jesus says, look, in order for us to, you know, everybody to get along, to be kind and loving and these things, let's drop these moral categories. Let's drop these these core things. So, um, yeah, gang, I mean— there's a design to the universe, and we're in a culture that is just bucking that at every possible opportunity, whether it be sexual morals, parenting, whether it be gender, obviously, you know, issues of ethics and, you know, the wiggle, the squirm is correct. You said something really, really crucial. I think people needed to understand that when last week I said, you know, if you want to understand humankind, you can't just go out and take sample survey groups of it. You can't just do empirical studies because you're studying a broken model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, um, as C.S. Lewis said, unless the measuring stick is independent of the thing being measured, you can do no measuring, you know, and so you have the scriptures. You have Jesus saying, yeah, there's an original design to the universe. In addition to that gang, what Craig was just saying is, you know, if you want to understand your culture and why the squirming and the discomfort with this, you have to understand that there's something inherent in human beings that does not want to accept the responsibility of the design. Mm-hmm. You know, young men, to accept that there is something inherent to their masculinity. They know that the next implication is that requires things of me. They don't want the responsibility of that. Frankly, to be honest, same with women. And so we're, we're blurring these distinctions partly to try and get out of the dignity and the weight and the responsibility of those gender differences. Yeah. Yeah, I think our real discomfort isn't with discussing gender or homosexuality. The deep core discomfort is that there is a God. He has made himself known and he has told us a way for life that we just resist and rebel. Yeah, yeah, for so many reasons. Again, with compassion, some of those those reasons being brokenness, some of those reasons being that, you know, the examples of masculinity maybe that you've had in your world have been horrible. And so you're like, hey, I don't want anything to do with that, you know. Uh, Yeah, you know, I can hear some of you saying, I came from a church that believed all that and they were incredibly oppressive to women. Yeah, I understand that that sin, that's not inherent to the design, you know, you're dealing with a flawed sample group there, but the design is there. And and let me try and show you how, like, there's some really significant applications to this, you know, parenting, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you believe that there are gender differences and the way you're going to raise little boys and the way you're going to raise little girls is going to be different. 
and we've already seen this, particularly in public education. I mean, little boys learn differently than little girls do. They just do. They're more physical. They're more loud, right? They tend to be more rambunctious by nature. They tend to be what we would call more, quote, aggressive, but not in a negative term. They just tend to kind of deal with their world in a more direct, forthright, physical manner and asking little boys to sit still for eight hours a day and act like little girls isn't going to work, you know, and so we drug them. You know, that, that's how we handle the gender difference there is we just – it's a scandal. It's a scandal that far more boys than girls are on, you know, mood-altering drugs like Ritalin, et cetera. You're not dealing with behavioral problems. You're dealing with gender differences that we simply don't want to accept and accommodate, mm-hmm. you know, and so we try and, and emasculate there. You know, the implications here is it's not, you know – keeping all women barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. You know, yes. that's that's a ridiculous stereotype. You know, look at how Jesus – Jesus is pretty radical on gender roles, not gender differences, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. gender itself. But right. he talked to women. No rabbi would have done that in that day. He would yeah. literally not have spoken to a woman. Not, not only that, but Jesus speaks to single women who's not even, you know, in association with, not related to, not cousins. I mean, he does scandalous things in terms of roles, you know, but he believes deeply in the inherent nature of gender itself. John, what would you say the differences are between a man created in God's image and a woman created in God's image? Can you give us some specifics there that uh, help us see these differences? Yes, I think so. I hope so. Um, let's take, for example, um, the issue of um, passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find a man who refuses to stand up and to protect his family, everybody just knows inherently there's something wrong there. We just feel it. It's a gut reaction. You go, wow, what's with this guy? Mm-hmm. What's with the silence? What's with the acquiescence? What's with the fear? What's with the passivity? You don't feel the same way toward a woman. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, if if a man, his wife, his young children are on the street and an armed mugger approaches them, you know, for the woman to not to resist doesn't cause us the same gut reaction as for the man to just flee and leave his family standing there. So there's, yeah, I would say there's something about um, courage and protection and strength that a man is meant to offer his world. And let me try and show you the opposite of that. Um, I think for a man not to be merciful is a tragedy. But it's not a tragedy on the same level as for a woman not to be merciful. Mm -hmm. There is something inherent in femininity. Among other things, there's something inherent in femininity where mercy is expressed. That when you see, you know, a little girl falls from the tree, you know, and hurts her arm and she runs into the house and she looks to mommy for comfort, you know, for her mom to just push her away. And not to offer comfort, mercy, care, mm-hmm. nurture. Yes. Man, that just feels like a violation, not of roles, but, but of essence. Mm-hmm. A violation of literally what she is as a woman. So, you know, I would, I would kind of draw some of those distinctions mm-hmm. there. And again, this isn't meant to say, you know, men don't have to be loving. Of course they do. Yes. Women don't have to be brave. Of course they do. But you have these core 
core issues of strength and valor and sacrifice and and courage for men mm-hmm. and protection. You just do. And, yes. and you have these issues of mercy and nurturance and unconditional love um, and tenderness for women. You know, when you see a woman violating those, you have a stronger reaction than when you see a man failing in those areas. Mm-hmm. And you? What would you add to that? Um, I'd agree. I was um, – the word I was going to use for women would be nurturing. Um, you use mercy. though you include nurturing. Um, I think one of the distinctions, John, in the spiritual realm as well as you read the Gospels, as I recall, it's it's only women in the Gospel that are recorded as ministering to Jesus. You know, there's – I think while um, – Everything is available to men. There's something in the spiritual realm, an intimacy or an experience that may express itself in the way we pray or worship or other venues of spirituality, avenues of spirituality that you see in Scripture as well. There's something unique and and special that a woman has with Jesus that, frankly, they may have over us a bit. Um, I just see in... Young girls, uh, just whether it's a doll or their sister, just a level and degree of nurturing, of hugging and holding and crying with a sympathy, uh, empathy. There's something there that that isn't nurture. It's just there. It's just it's just there. And with boys, yeah. There's the picture I had of um, is there's something about. Um, masculinity that wants to step to the front, um, that wants to step in front of a woman or children or uh, helpless or less strong folk and kind of take the point in terms of defending, fighting for, standing up for. There's used the words courage and strength. There's some motion or movement where a man kind of takes the point. That's the yeah. way I'd describe it. Yeah, that's good. In fact, the psalm says, One thing have I known, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you are loving. So he's going to attribute two essential qualities to the Creator, strength and loving. Um, my friend Dan Allender thinks that that's the genders right there, mm. that you can look at the genders and say, you know, men were meant to speak something to the world about God. We bear the image of God in our masculinity. And what does the world need to know about God? They need to know that he's going to come through. Mm-hmm. They need to know that God is moving. He's active. He's not passive. He's not checked out. He hasn't abandoned the universe. We have got to know that God is going to act on our behalf. That's masculinity. That's what we're supposed to show the world. And femininity, you know, the world is desperate to know, does God care? Is there love? Is there forgiveness? Is there mercy? Do we live in kindness? Is he a nurturing God? You know, um, is there a warmth and embrace and empathy there? And and I think that's femininity. You, O God, are strong and you, O God, are loving. And, and again, I hope that you can see by these things, we're talking about dignity. You know, these aren't oppressive categories and these don't need to result in oppression, discrimination, hatred. You're saying there's a dignity to the genders that's you know essential to what God created men and women to be and do and say in the universe. And and uh, 
you know, again, let's let's just give this a couple of really practical things. I I think a guy who lays at home on the couch, uh, eating chips and watching ESPN while his wife provides for the family, you got a problem here, gang. Mm-hmm. You have a fundamental failure of masculinity. It's it's not a matter of you know, well, I just can't find work that's meaningful to me. It's hey, get your butt up off the couch and get to work. You made to work. You know, yeah. you you meant to take initiative and provide and protect and. You know, so the, these have some pretty practical implications here. I think on the same, yeah. the same turn, if you you know have a situation where there's a a woman and there's just nothing nurturing about her, just nothing gentle, nothing kind. Um, man, something's wrong. Yeah. Something is is essentially wrong. And this is not to say. I mean, I have women friends who are attorneys, yes. and and they're great at that, but they're also immensely loving mothers, you know. So we're not saying that, you know, therefore women do this, men do this. We're saying, look, there's a there's an essence to your creation that this culture is fundamentally um, not just confused about, but frankly in high rebellion to. Mm-hmm. And uh, to abandon that, mm-hmm. uh, back to Romans 1, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good to abandon these distinctions. In all of this series, we're trying to keep Jesus Christ central. We're trying to keep Mm -hmm. how did Jesus look at these issues? How did Jesus look at life? And so, again, the spirit of this is offered in the spirit, we hope, of Jesus Christ, where this is offered in kindness. This is offered in love. We're not trying to create a political platform or rouse anger and mm-hmm. animosity between mm-hmm. certain groups. We're saying things, hopefully, in the same tone and spirit in which Jesus would say them, but Jesus did say these things. One of the most remarkable things about Jesus Christ is how such a kind, loving, gracious, tolerant, patient man can hold in the exact same moment such an incredibly high standard of issues of truth and universals, morality, and here on issues of gender, it's like, you don't have to be mean to say, look, these things are simply true. They just are. They literally predate culture. They predate civilization or any of the social sciences, right? They're in the design of the universe. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart Podcast. Hope you're enjoying this series on how did Jesus look at life? What's his perspective on things? You really could call it our worldview series. And I think you're going to want to tune in next time because we're going to jump into the issue of homosexuality. For more, come to our website at ransomedheart.com or join us on our Facebook page.